morning. Good to be with you this morning again. Uh, we're going to continue uh, our service this morning with our offering. I want to read a prayer this morning from St. Jerome, one of the early church fathers who lived um, between 342 and 420. Lord, you have given us your word for a light to shine upon our path. Grant us so to meditate on that word and to follow its teaching that we may find it in it the light that shines more and more until the perfect day through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I encourage you to, as you have been, to continue to give, uh, to invest in Riverstone and what we're doing here so that we can, uh, as I've said before, be uh, a place that can offer help rather than a place that needs help. Uh, these are uh, trying times for, for a lot of people, and we want to be able uh, to sow into our community uh, during these days and, and be a place uh, a, a resource, a place uh, where people can come uh, and receive help. Uh, there are several ways that you can give. As I said before, the easiest way I, I have found is to download our app and just go straight to the app and click on the give uh, page or link in, in the app and give that way. You can also text to give uh, to the number that's on the screen. And you, or if, if, if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, you can write a check and mail it to our post office box. Uh, which you'll also see the address for that on the screen. Uh, just remind you uh, that at the end of our service today, we're going to receive communion together. And um, so if you haven't prepared for that and you want to do that, uh, you can uh, run to the kitchen or wherever you need to go to get your, your juice and your bread and, and be ready uh, to do that together uh, later in our service. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Matthew, if you want to turn to, to chapter 20, we'll start there. Uh, while you're doing that, let me mention a couple of uh, things coming up. We'll have a, uh, of course, we have our regular schedule of uh, Tuesday, Call to Pray, and Wednesday, Bible study this week, Call to Pray is at noon on Tuesday, Bible study at 7 p.m. on Wednesday, and then also this week on Friday at 7 p.m., we'll have a, a Good Friday service, and I encourage you to Join us at that time, and uh, we'll have a, a service of, of prayer, and, and we'll receive communion again on Friday, some worship and some prayer and a short word together. And then uh, on Sunday, which is Easter, uh, we will be again uh, doing an online service at 10 o'clock, and I look forward to seeing you all uh, at that time. So Matthew 20 we're going to begin with verse 17. While Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will give him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and on the third day he will be raised and then from chapter 21 beginning at verse 1 
When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in a turmoil asking, who is this? Uh, the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he, he cured them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise for yourself. He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us uh, this morning. Uh, as we've prayed so many times before, uh, we all know that, uh, that no one in the sound of my voice needs to hear from me or from any other person today. What they really need to hear is your voice. They need to hear from you. And so I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would speak through me, uh, that it wouldn't be my words, it would be your words. And that hearts and lives would be changed because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today is, is Palm Sunday. Uh, it's the day that we celebrate uh, the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem uh, on uh, the Sunday of Passion Week, uh, the week of his crucifixion. And throughout his public ministry, Jesus has tried uh, best he could to keep his identity concealed, uh, cloaked or hidden. He, he, didn't, uh, he wasn't really forthcoming when people would ask him, uh, who he was, he would always dodge it a little bit. He, he allowed his works to speak uh, and to cause people to wonder about who he was, but he rarely gave a straight answer when he was asked uh, about his identity. Uh, he even instructed 
people not to tell, when he would heal people and, and they would uh, be amazed and, and blown away by the power that, that came through him and they would uh, begin to worship him, uh, he would caution them not to tell anyone. Uh, when Simon Peter declared, uh, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, he, he even told Peter, you know, my father told you this. You, you didn't come up with this on your own. Uh, this was revealed to you by my father. But then he told Peter, don't tell anyone else. Uh, but, but now this is a different time. Uh, now it's time for Jesus to be revealed uh, and for people to decide. It's time for him to be revealed, for his identity to be unveiled clearly, and for people to decide uh, where they stand. Everything about his entry into Jerusalem on this day says out loud for everyone, I am your king. Make no mistake, it wasn't a subtle entry. I am your king. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey colt, which fulfills the prophecy in Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Uh, Jesus knows that his entry will do two things. He knows that it will stir up excitement among the people, and he knows that it will stir up opposition from the religious leaders. None of what happens is a surprise to him. None of what happens is a shock or a surprise to him. He came to Jerusalem with a very clear and specific purpose. He came to reveal his identity, to bring judgment on Jerusalem, and to die for the sins of the world. Uh, Jesus has been uh, in public ministry now for three, three and a half years. He has preached the kingdom, he has demonstrated the kingdom, and he has called people to give themselves to the kingdom. But all along the way, people have wondered and some have asked, is, is he the one? Is he the Messiah? Uh, people seem to kind of go even back and forth on it. Even uh, John the Baptist seems to go back and forth. Early on, John the Baptist says at the baptism of Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. But then later on, when John is in prison, he sends uh, a delegation to Jesus to ask, uh, are you the one? Or should we keep looking? Uh, Jesus never said that he wasn't the one. And at times he said and did things that indicated that he was, uh, but he was careful to instruct people to keep it to himself. But now it's time to, in effect, draw attention to himself. It's the first time, really that Jesus has drawn attention to himself. Uh, throughout his ministry, he defers uh, attention. He defers to the Father, and he's always saying things like, I only do what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. Uh, but now, it's time for the world to see who he is and why he came. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the way he entered Jerusalem, every Jew in Jerusalem knew what it meant. 
There was no mistake. There was no doubt. Every Jew in Jerusalem knew, based on his entry, that Jesus was saying to them, I am your king. He came to reveal his identity. The second thing he came to do was to bring judgment to Jerusalem, and in particular, to bring judgment on the temple. Uh, when Jesus reaches Jerusalem, he goes straight to the temple, and there he turns over tables of the money changers, and he runs out the sellers and the buyers, and he says, uh, my house, he quotes the passage of scripture, my house is to be a house of prayer. Jesus cleanses the temple because he cares about the city. Uh, there's another passage where Jesus looks out over Jerusalem and he weeps over Jerusalem because he cares for the city. He loves the city. And he judges the temple because of his love for the city. Because as long as the temple was wrong, the city would be wrong. I, I think this is an, an incredible uh, idea and thought uh, that we need to grasp right now today in, in the current situation that we're in. Uh, in the, the world, the way it is today, uh, there's never been a time, at least in my lifetime, where it was more important uh, that the church get it, that the church get it right. Because the whole world is looking. The whole world is looking. They're, they're, they're wanting answers to their questions. They're looking for hope. They're losing hope. And they're looking for, is there any place where hope can be restored, where hope can be renewed? And if they can't find that in the church, uh, where can they find it? And so this is an incredible opportunity for us uh, to be the church and, and to get it right, because the church has to get it if the city is going to get it. I had a chance uh, this week, Austin and I actually... On Friday afternoon, Friday evening, we went and, and uh, led some worship and had, had some prayer time uh, with a group of nurses from Kennestone Hospital. Also on Friday morning, early, uh, at 6 a.m., uh, I went and had a prayer time uh, with some nurses, uh, some different nurses, also at Kennestone. Uh, many of you know uh, Richard and Donna Bardwell. Their daughter, Kimmy, uh, is... Uh, an ER nurse at Kennestone. And she, she called me last week and she said that she wanted to, to start offering prayer opportunities for nurses, ER nurses in particular, to come uh, for time of prayer before, during, or after their shift. And, and would I help her with the first one, which was Friday? And, and, and of course, I, I was eager to do that and was blessed that she asked me to join her. And so I went on Friday morning, and, and uh, I think we had about 15 nurses that gathered at 6 a.m. Uh, for prayer. And uh, we met in the parking deck, uh, the employee parking deck. And uh, after it was over, later that day, uh, at some point in the afternoon, I got a text message from Kimmy, and she said, uh, you know, one of the nurses who was there, and she identified her in a way that I would remember um, she said she, she's not a believer, um, and she wasn't even on call today, but she came anyway for prayer. And uh, we just rejoiced in that, that she responded. We knew she was looking for something. And uh, so then the next day, um, she texted me again, and she said, 
the girl that I texted you about yesterday called me today and gave her life to Jesus. Uh, this is an, an incredible time. It's an opportunity for the church and for the people of the church, the body of Christ, uh, to get it right, uh, to get it right, to, to love the way Jesus loves. Uh, people are looking, uh, they're losing hope, and they're looking for a place. Is there a place? Are there people who carry the message of hope and who carry the message of life that I could look to that could help me through this time? The church has to get it before the city can get it. So Jesus came to reveal his identity. He came to judge the temple. And third, he came to die. His death was not plan B. His death wasn't even plan A. Actually, in grammar, we learn that to have an A means that there's a B. If there's not going to be a B or a C, you don't need an A. And so there was no B, there was no C. This is not plan A, this is plan only. It's the only plan that God ever had. The cross was the divine assignment for Jesus. Uh, Jesus knew that there was a cross waiting for him in Jerusalem. And he didn't just go to Jerusalem, he was intent on going to Jerusalem. Scripture says he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. He, he would not be stopped. He would not be deterred. He set his gaze on Jerusalem and actually set events into motion through his actions that orchestrated his own death. Jesus came to Jerusalem to die. He entered Jerusalem to a parade Palm branches waving, people dancing, hallelujahs and hosannas. And five days later, he died on the outskirts of the city. We call his entry into Jerusalem the triumphal entry. Uh, it's quite a parade. Now, parades are usually reserved for winners, unless you live in Atlanta. If you live in Atlanta, we have parades if we get close to winning. Uh, I remember 1992, we, the Braves got to the World Series. They didn't win it, but they got there. We had a citywide parade. And so, you know, you have to make exceptions uh, when you live in a city that just gets close all the time. But parades are usually reserved for winners. And it's odd at first glance, it seems odd, that, that you would title a death march triumphant, unless, of course, the purpose of your march, the purpose of your journey is death. Winning means accomplishing the goal you set out to accomplish. Jesus set out for Jerusalem to die. Good Friday is the turning point of history. At the death of Jesus, everything shifts and goes in a new direction. From death to resurrection to ascension to Pentecost to the return of Christ. I would say it this way, that the cross is the turning point of history. The resurrection is the point of history. 
Pentecost is the result of the cross and the return of Jesus is the culmination of history. And so if we want to honor his death and his resurrection as we await his return, the only way to do that is to live in Pentecost. Pentecost is living in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church and the church is empowered to live the way Jesus has called us to live. We are in a day and a time where trying to do things in our flesh will not succeed. If it ever has, it certainly won't now. We live in a time where it is absolute necessity that the church be empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can do the things that Jesus has called us to do. Now, the reason that Jesus came to die is because the world needed a resurrection. God told Adam that sin would bring death, and it did. And so the truth is, we don't just need forgiveness. The world is not just sick in sin. It is dead in sin. Now, the Bible tells us of three different situations where Jesus raises people from the dead. Uh, in Luke 8, we read the story of Jairus' daughter, and she had died. She had, had only been dead maybe for an hour or so, a couple hours maybe, uh, and Jesus raised her from the dead. We also read in Luke chapter 7 the resurrection of uh, the son of the widow from Nain. And Jesus actually interrupts a funeral procession to raise this, this young boy uh, from the dead. And the scripture tells us uh, that the funeral was actually going on. Uh, we know from Jewish tradition that uh, they uh, conducted funerals within 24 hours of death. And so we're going to just approximate that this young man had been dead for a day. So little girl dead for a few hours, a uh, young man dead for maybe a day, and then Lazarus is maybe the most famous story of resurrection where Jesus raises his friend who had been in the grave for four days. And so the question then becomes, we've got one who's still in the house, we have one who's being carried to the grave, and we've got one who has been in the grave for several days. Which one is the most dead? And obviously the answer is they're all dead. Dead is dead. There's no kind of dead or sort of dead. Some are close to the kingdom. Some are far away from the kingdom. Some are interested in the kingdom. Some are not interested in the kingdom. All of those who have not been born again are dead. They're all dead. First John chapter five, verses 11 and 12 says this. God has given us eternal life, and this life is his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. And I would add, all who do not have life are dead. 
And the only way to have life is to have the Son. We're going to go into a time of ministry now, just for a couple of minutes. Uh, and here's what I want to uh, suggest that we use this time for. There are times, uh, there are times in life when the church goes first. Uh, the people of the church, the body of Christ. There are times when we go first and when it's important that uh, we set an example and we take the lead in things. And there have been certainly opportunities for that uh, in current days. But there are also times, many times, when the church needs to go last. And so today, I'm going to ask that the church go last. Uh, and we're going to open up this, a time of prayer uh, for those who don't know Jesus. And, and here's my invitation to you. We're going to put a number on the screen that you can text. If you don't know Jesus, but you want to know him, or you even want to have a discussion about knowing him, I want to ask you in the next few minutes to text to this number, I want Jesus. Just those three words. I want Jesus. And if you'll text that to us, uh, we will, with, with your number, we will call you. Somebody from our church, somebody from Riverstone will call you. And we will talk with you and we will pray with you. I want Jesus. I know that there are a lot of people, uh, believers, uh, Riverstone people, and, and people who are just watching this on, on the internet who don't necessarily go to Riverstone. There are a lot of believers who have needs and things that you want prayed for, and here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to wait 30 minutes, uh, and then in 30 minutes, if you have prayer requests that you want to text to us, you can do that to the same number. But if you would just give 30 minutes uh, for those who, who don't know Jesus to respond. I want Jesus. Now let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We need you. We recognize today and we declare today there, there's no life without you. There simply is no life without you. You are life. And so I pray that all of those within the sound of my voice who don't know you, Holy Spirit, I pray, prick their hearts, draw them to the Son so that they can be raised from the dead, resurrected into a new life, the life of Jesus. It's in his holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to conclude our service today with Holy Communion. And uh, hopefully you have elements there at your house. If you don't, uh, later on in the week, just get your family, gather your family around and, uh, and have Holy Communion together as a family. I encourage you to do that. And then, as I said earlier, we'll be back here Friday night uh, to do the same. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for us. 
You told us that whenever we did this, that we should do this in remembrance of you. And so we do, we, we come to you right now and we remember that you died for us. And we say today that this, this is your body broken for us, broken for us. Take and eat. This is your blood shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Drink of this and drink of Jesus. Jesus again, we thank you. You came to Jerusalem knowing what was ahead of you. You went to the cross willingly as an act of obedience and an act of love. We are alive today because you were willing to die. We love you. We give ourselves completely to you all over again for the first time, for the 100th time, we say, we need you, we want you, we trust you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for, uh, for joining us today. I look forward to uh, seeing you again soon. I hope that uh, it won't be much longer uh, before we're able to gather. But in the meantime, uh, join us on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Friday this week and next Sunday. See you soon.